Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Amber Data Derivatives Podcast. I'm here with Pierino Orsone. He is the head of options at Darebit with a background in market making in the 90s, as well as proprietary trading in the 2000s, and the author of How to Calculate Option Prices in Their Greeks. Pierino, how are you? Yeah, hi, Greg. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's good to be here, and uh, nice to have a chat about evil. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So I'm really excited about Devol. Before sort of jumping into that, which is the new futures that you guys are launching at Darebit, can we just learn a little bit about your background and sort of an overview of your career? Yeah, sure. I uh, started some time ago at an obscure small firm called Optiver. Uh, that was 30 years ago at the Amsterdam Exchange. Uh, I started as a, as a market maker. Um, I have been trading on the floor for about 10 years, uh, up to uh, mid-2001. Then I went into the energy commodity business, uh, very exciting business, especially those years when Enron was still there. Um, And after the energy business, uh, I I wrote my book. Uh, It made me quite proud uh, having it published with Wiley. Uh, and then afterwards, I came back into the equity options trading again, uh, trading the Western European uh, indices and, and single stock single stock options. Um, and then I got introduced uh, at Deribit, and I had something like, this is really cool. Mm. This is interesting. It's a high volatile environment. Uh, I like the people. Um, they're offering me a very creative job. It's diversified. Um, it's like educating people. It's it's client contact. Uh, obviously, it's also designing new products. Uh, it's working on the risk side. Um, so for me, it's a it's a it was a great opportunity uh, to enter the crypto business. And yeah, it's a high volatile environment, and I'm absolutely enjoying it. Yeah, that's fantastic. So going back to your career, since you were market making in the 90s, one of the things that's really interesting is in crypto, you know, the volatility surface is still sort of being figured out. When you were market making back in the 90s, was there any sort of similarities? Was the volatility pricing as efficient back then as it is today? Oh, no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, It's it's, it's actually the word skew. didn't exist. I, I was trading at the Amsterdam Options Exchange, and we were trading flat volatility in the options. Uh, in the US, uh, skew, or let's say to put additional premium in out-of-the-money puts, because everybody had learned their lesson uh, after the 1987 crash, uh, that was an implementation in the US which we hadn't done yet. So actually, we were just trading there. We, we had some feeling about volatility, but not about smiles, etc. Mm. Um, so a lot of US traders also came to Amsterdam, and uh, they told us the hard way mm. that uh, you should apply skill, you should pay up for your out-of-money puts. Uh, but it was a whole different environment. We were uh, in a crowd, I was in a crowd with 30 to 40 competitors, uh, all striving for uh, for the best contracts. Um, so this 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 
exchange was actually set up to have price competition as well. Because if you would be slow or if your pricing would be off, you won't earn a buck. Um, so I already traded uh, some automated markets in, in the beginning of the 90s. Uh, in 93, I traded uh, the, the DAX, the German index auctions. That was already automated, uh, but in a, in, a, in a slow way. Um, but it's uncomparable but, but with what is happening nowadays. Uh, people are sitting at the office. Uh, it, it, it's quiet. People are concentrated. While I came from an environment where when the shit hits the fence, 700 people were shouting and crying and uh, yeah I, I i still remember one day that there, there was panic in the market and i thought okay i'm going to do one step backwards and and enjoy this because it was a great environment but it was not super professional we thought we were professionals mm -hmm. but we weren't uh, there were no uh, sophisticated option models we all used the black and scholes model And actually, everybody had a, had a piece of paper with the prices on it, and then watching the paper, watching the screens, mm. and then quoting the market. But the fun thing was, when the market would go in one direction, it would run off your paper. Mm. So everybody then has to leave the pit to, to print out more papers. And actually, the time when it's the most busiest, uh, the busiest time of the year. Um, so that that also uh, because of that, I uh, tried to learn options from the top of my head uh, to come up with rules of thumb and, uh, and and to be able to price options without using these papers mm. because that will really bring you an advantage. Uh, but but now we have our systems calculating the options and and uh, if you're a sophisticated company. Uh, the systems are making your bids and offers. Uh, they will adjust. They will change. Um, so yeah, it's it's incomparable. Uh, it's it, it's great to see. It 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 was a great great time. Uh, but in the end, everything is so sophisticated at the moment. Uh, I'm really amazed by that. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. So you had the static sheet with your theoretical values and your vols. And when the market moves yeah. fast, you need to go out and update everything manually to start quoting again. That's that's so interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's insane. <laughs> that is yeah. funny. So in 93, we had the CBOE launched a VIX index. In 2004, I think they launched VIX futures. When the VIX index first launched, was that well-received or did You know, did people think this was a new concept or had they already been thinking about things like this? Uh, yeah, but for option market makers, it, it was not that important. Mm. Uh, uh, the main importance was actually uh, pricing your options in the right way. And uh, you had your two-way markets and maybe you could uh, end up the day with a, a flat optionality book or a flat Greeks book. Uh So it was not that important. And, and finally, when the VIX became much more uh, as, a, as a extremely important instrument in the, in the traditional financial business, uh, I was already in the energy commodity trading business. Mm. Uh, 
So I did look at oil volatility, like the, the WTI longer term, mid volatility, where are we now? It's uh, now there's an index that's called the OVX, uh, the oil volatility index. Um, but yeah, so I was not that much used to working with the VIX index. Uh, but when in the end, when I came back in the equity markets in 2017, uh, then immediately, uh, I was faced with uh, a VIX which was trading at all-time low. Uh, it was e even trading below 10%. And uh, I can only think of 2017 when, when that happened. Maybe I, I think also some longer time. But okay, it was exceptionally uh, low. Um, I was also trading uh, uh, Dutch index options, IEX options. And I can still remember trading short-term options at around seven and a half percent of volatility, which is it's super low. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So uh, at, at that stage, uh, I got more and more uh, into looking at the VIX and later also on the V stocks. Um, uh, in the past years, I have been trading uh, uh, Euro stocks uh, options. Uh, so then, then you will have to look at, let's say, V stocks and VIX or the combination of the two. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So one of the things in crypto that's fascinating is that it's a 365 day, 24 hours a day market. Uh, so you know, Darebit's always open versus traditional finance, where where we have 252 trading days. How does that affect volatility or option pricing and stuff like that? It affects it massively because if you if you think of dairy bit, we're open eight thousand seven hundred sixty hours a day uh, a year. Sorry, uh, while the traditional markets not even getting uh, let's say at forty five percent of that total amount of hours. Um, so meaning that in in the in the times that when the traditional market is is not trading, still things can happen and. Uh, just think about January. What happened in the beginning of January? The market was very quiet. But then suddenly on a Friday evening late, when a traditional market was closed, Bitcoin and ETH exploded. And the next week, they exploded again. Uh, um, in, the, in the past uh, the two weeks, we've seen the USDC issues. Uh, that started on Friday evening. And actually, that was solved on Monday but uh, it, it already created a lot of volatility in the market, uh, especially in the, the USDC products versus the USD products. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a definitive advantage having optionality uh, all day around. Uh, but yes, of course, therefore, uh, having optionality will be also a bit more expensive. Yeah, that's that's really fascinating. I imagine there's probably some some opportunity there between sort of CME products versus Deribit products and how those are priced because of that. That's that's an interesting uh, insight. Yeah. So jumping onto the Devol, so this is something Deribit launched its Devol Index a few years back, but the Devol Future on the index, this is just being launched right now. It's very exciting. Can you please just give us uh, an overview of Devol and what it is for anyone who's sort of new to this type of concept? Uh, well, what we do is we measure the volatility of the market. So we, we look 30 days further 
And then let's say we take two expiries, which are the closest to 30 days in advance. And then we will measure the options, but not only the at-the-money options, but also the out-of-the-money options. So we will measure out-of-the-money calls and out-of-the-money puts and at-the-money options. Um, so that means that uh, the DEVO index will be a little bit higher than at-money because in, in the crypto markets, we know what we call this shape, the smile, or what we call in the professional business, we call it skew. Uh, but that skew, that smile, that can be steeper, it can be shallower, at the same time volatility can move up and down. Uh, so it's like a breathing mechanism, uh, but we try to implement all the strikes to give a, to give a fair estimation uh, or a fair number of what traders think that will happen with the volatility in the coming 30 days. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's got a much more sort of holistic view by calculating a bunch of strikes instead of just at the money. And so you can get a really yeah. good feel for a basket of 30-day of options, so to speak. So with uh, the DVOL index, you guys have cutoffs um, at the wings. Can you explain that and why that's important? Yeah, sure. Um, the cutoffs is actually done because of the fact that we don't want to see manipulation in the market. Uh, we would like to, to show a fair market. And uh, if you talk about far out of the money options, then a small change, uh, especially in out of the money goods, can already have an impact in, uh, in the absolute number of the default. Uh, so let's say if there's a worthless out of the money put option, but somebody's able to make some bits in it, make it more expensive, then that, that will automatically uh, raise the default level. Um, so what we have been doing is uh, creating a model where we would say, okay, let's try to manipulate the market. How can we prevent that? So we had two options. One option was to have a fixed price and saying uh, any option below that specific price will not be taken into account or we do it via Delta. Uh, in the end, we figured out that if you have a, a, a fixed amount or a fixed price uh, where you have a cutoff, then that's extremely static. Uh, when volatility is very low, it means that there will be a small range only measured because all the other out-of-money options might already be less worth than that cutoff level. Uh, so therefore, uh, we have decided for the Delta 5% cutoff level. Um, and we think that also, therefore, it will be lots, a lot more difficult uh, uh, to try to move that devil index. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So without this type of cutoff, theoretically, someone could have, you know, just for an example, a billion dollar devol future position. And then they go in the options market and they buy a bunch of one delta options and it moves up the overall, overall vol, which moves up the index and then the future settle to that. So that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. So we can get rid of that. Yeah. Absolutely, and we were quite focused on that one. We really considered that as a as an important feature uh, for for the launch of these futures. Yeah, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And this is why you know 
really Darebit's the only one who can launch an index like this because you have enough liquidity in the options uh, to have this type of index that won't be manipulated. Um, can you maybe just talk about the settlement process? How did Devol futures settle to uh, the Devol index? Yeah, we uh, every day at uh, HUTC, we have we have a, a one snapshot of the market, and that will decide where we settle for that day. Uh, but exp at expiration, we have a one-hour settlement period between seven and eight UTC in the morning, and uh, we make every four seconds we make a snapshot of the market and measure the index. Uh, so in total, we will have 900 measure points to determine the final settlement of that contract. Mm, yeah, cool. And then can you just maybe explain from you know market makers perspective? So market makers are going to be providing quotes on, on the DVOL. Is there sort of an incentive for market makers? Also, is it similar for them to, you know, what's the difference between market making on options versus market making on DVOL futures? Yeah, or, or, or market making on futures. Uh, I, it, it can be both. I, I think you, you can be a market maker uh, and only trade the futures in this product. But on the other hand, I think it's, it's quite important that you know uh, which options are in there and that you will be able to replicate the number somehow uh, that you're not caught by surprise. Because I can understand if this is a successful product and we have a good churning rate, meaning that a lot of bits and offers are coming in and a lot of trades in uh, all directions are going through. Um, it is interesting, uh, although um, I would advise uh, people market making it, having the, the, the knowledge of options. Mm. Uh, just to make sure. Um, and for market makers in options itself, uh, it, it has a great advantage. Let's let's say you're, you're a market maker and, and you do one big trade. And that big trade gives you not only exposure in, in the market going up or down, but also exposure in the Greeks, uh, uh, exposure in volatility. So as a market maker, you're trying to neutralize your position as much as possible uh, so against buying uh, a bunch of options, you need to sell something in the market as well, uh, and preferably in the same maturity. Um, so then if nothing happens, if there's no liquidity in the market at that specific moment, then you can also decide in trading the default futures mm. as a quick hedge. Um, if there is a company which has an issue, uh, a risk management department can say, hey, guys, listen, your exposure in volatility is too much. We need to reduce your exposure. So you can need you can use volatility futures for that. Um, there, if we uh, right now, we start with only one volatility future. But in the future, in the future, future, <laughs> we we will have like, let's say, five futures in uh, in BTC, uh, five futures in ETH. Um, so you can also play with volatility differentials in the market. Uh, what we've seen, for instance, at that period in January when volatility was low, then the DVOL was trading at 40. Uh, 
but uh, the the longer term options were still trading around the 60 level. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, you can say, okay, I buy a little bit of short term, I sell a little bit of longer term, so people can spread it. And they can spread the shape of the market, and that's called the contango or backwardation of the market. And that's also a very well-known, uh, uh, let's say, trading mechanism in the in the in the VIX in the VIX futures. Um, so that is for the market makers. But then, obviously, we we also have to look at what are the opportunities for the people who have a view on volatility uh, in the market overall. So uh, if somebody might say. I think volatility is way too low. I think that the long-term mean volatility should be somewhere around 60 to 70%, but the market is now trading at 40%, so nothing is happening. So you have two options. One is you can buy optionality via the options, mm-hmm. and two is you can buy volatility futures. Um, okay, let's say you choose for option one. You buy options. Um, let's say the market is at 20,000 and you buy some at-the-money calls and uh, you hedge your delta or you buy an at-the-money straddle and the market then goes from 20,000 to 28,000. Okay. Then at 28,000, you hardly have any exposure in volatility anymore since the market ran away from the level where you entered it. Mm-hmm. So where in first instance you, you created, uh, uh, let's say, a high volatility exposure by being long at money options, but when the market is at 28,000, then the 20,000 options, they have hardly optionality anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you do it via options, you, will, uh, you won't be in the game anymore if the market runs away from your strikes. Um, so Devol is an instrument, Devol Futures is an instrument that and in, in, with which you're always in the game. Mm. Uh, and that's one of the main importance, uh, in, in important features. But we have another one, and that is, let's say, uh, Bitcoin is at 20,000. Volatility is, let's say, is at 60. And you think volatility will go up. And uh, the market goes in one day to 22,000, next day to 18,000, to 23,000, 20,000. So you see that the market is becoming more and more volatile. And you you see that the volatility is actually going up. Uh, But in the end, let's say you run this this position for a month and you come towards expiry. And in the meantime, you haven't performed any... Greek hedging in the market, not with your deltas, uh, the, the, with the optionality, you have a, they, they call a gamma position, that's the change of the delta, uh, but you haven't done anything. Uh, but, but in the end, you see, yeah, well, uh, vol went from 60% to 80%. Mm-hmm. So I must have made one. But no, that person has actually lost a little bit of money mm-hmm. because they know they have time decay. Every day an option will get less and less worth. Uh, so in, in, in this example, the time decay has been bigger than the profit in, in, your, in your view on volatility. Uh, so these are 
very good reasons that if you have a view on volatility, I think you shouldn't touch the options that much uh, mm-hmm. because you have all these Greeks. If you if you uh, have devolved futures, you won't have to do with any of the Greeks and that will make life much easier. That's fascinating. So it's like a it's a pure volatility play where you don't have to worry about path dependency or sort of rebalancing your your Greek exposure for for the other Greeks. Exactly. Exactly. And and the people who are able to manage these kind of positions with all the Greeks that are the sophisticated market makers. Mm-hmm. And it will be a challenge for them as well. Uh, but in the meantime, you might see some spreads in the market. Uh, so I really think it's a it's an interesting feature. It's a it's 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 a nice instrument to have in the crypto business. Uh, uh, yeah, for several reasons we already discussed here. And, and then one of the things I'm really excited about. So you guys are starting with the Bitcoin Devol futures, and then later on we will launch the Ethereum Devol futures. And now because these are linear. Futures. Correct me if I'm wrong, but theoretically, at some point, people could start selling Devol ETH versus Bitcoin ETH uh, versus Bitcoin Devol, and then finally do relative trades in a capital efficient yep. manner. Yes, yes, and and uh, the Devol BTC uh, or ETH BTC Devol contracts, they they already uh, converged, and uh, mm. so you can play with that as well. Um, okay, let's let's put it from this way. We we had some uh, some questions about margining uh, because if you're gonna trade uh, a Bitcoin Ethereum contract and and then you're gonna trade Devol, but we're working on that. So actually, Deribit is working in putting everything together and to come out with one risk number instead of having separate risk thingies here for that position mm-hmm. and for that position because we think they belong together and they should be treated uh, uh, in the same way. That's fantastic. Well, Purino, thank you so much. I mean, we're really excited to launch this product, the uh, Devol Futures. It's going to be kind of a, a revolutionary product, I think, in the crypto vault space. It's something that I've personally been waiting for for a long time to, to look at. And so we'll make sure to support the data as soon as possible. But Thank you so much for coming on. I think this was a very educational podcast. I think listeners learned a lot and, and I learned a lot as well. Okay. Thank you very much, Greg. Thank you. We'll All see right. you next time. Bye. Bye. Ciao.